Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. All that came before was just the start. Today, Jack and Earl are going to discover what's past this prologue with a foundational episode of Star Trek Discovery's first season, episode 13. You're smacking your lips a lot. Was that a racial joke? No, how is that racial? I don't know. I graduated to Starburst Minis at this point. I was thinking of going the Starburst gummy route, but I am. Uh, I usually go with the Starburst all pink. You know, I didn't know there were Starburst minis. Oh yeah, I've uh, I've 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 recently found discovered them, and they are um, just a they're a cornucopia of of fun. I avoid oh. looking at the candy aisle. I forget what I'm talking about. What I love, such as sugar, and some of my friends that um, you know, we can't all do sugar the same way. Or rather, sugar doesn't do us all the same way. Some of us it does us wrong, and some of us it does us right. It does me just by it. I'm on Viridian. Viridian 3. Oh, okay. Sitting next to my buddy, uh, Earl Grey. Uh, who am I again? You're Jack, Jack. You better get that right, Jack. <laughs> Jack's Jack, Jack. Do you, are you a samurai? Do you carry a sword? So I'm sort of like an every Jack. <laughs> Today, we are starting what I like to call uh, the third chapter of uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 1. The th- we're starting the third chapter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. So I, I watched these these episodes last night, all in order, 13, 14, and 15. Uh, you know, the last three episodes of Season 1. And it's really a, a story unto itself. Okay. And I think it becomes a really fun journey when you take these three episodes and watch them separately, which I have never done before. But, I you know, I just happened to... I put on 13 and it just kept playing, you know? So... It's it's actually a really cool story, uh, just these three, and they they sort of like a little standalone thing that I really like. This is pretty much the end of the mirror universe. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that this is where we where we get home at the end, but we haven't quite encountered. We we, we learn by the maps that the, I guess the, the Klingons have won the war, and but we don't see we don't hear from any Starfleet personnel until the beginning of the next episode. Yes, you know when they come on board, and Sarah rapes Saru. Etc. <laughs> that just sounded wrong. I mean, it looked wrong when I saw it. I was like, <laughs> "What is it? He's the, he's doing what? He's clearly raping the man because Saru did not consent." We're getting ahead of ourselves because we're still on this episode, and you're getting on to the next episode. I am. I'm way into the social justice of the the next episode, and we haven't yet finished the current. <laughs> I'm just now discovering that uh, when I reference a timestamp, that's the. the Paramount Plus timestamp without the Netflix logo. Yeah. You gotta wonder if any part of the uh, Netflix version has been censored because some sometimes um, across the pond and so on uh, there are other things that are censored that aren't censored in the United States. There are indeed. And vice vice versa for sure. Yeah, I um, since I'm in another country today and that's why I have to watch on Netflix. I guess we'll find out today. How, how different <laughs> it is. Yeah. Our friend uh, took a trip to uh, the Canadian Embassy, which is right on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Main Street, Canada. <laughs> I remember being in, well, going to Washington, D.C. for the first time, The my, so far my only time. Yeah. And seeing the Canadian embassy, and I'm like, 
wait, why, why do we even need an embassy in Canada when, yeah, I mean, one, so close, and two, such good friends anyway? Are they good friends? Are they treasured rivals? Treasured rivals? Yeah, like competitors on a basketball court. Well, you I know, mean, Star I Trek know. versus Star Wars. Like, they're Star Wars and we're Star Trek. Or is it the other way around? Uh, it might be the other way around, because we're the ones always going to war. Well... Oh, yeah, I guess they, they kind of hang out and do sciencey stuff. Yeah, oh, good for you, Canada. Yeah. Way to go, Canada. Way to be a better <laughs> USA than the USA. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I was in one of those torture chambers for a year, Holmes, wouldn't you like, wouldn't your nerves like turn to jelly at that point? Here we are sitting in our Borg regeneration alcoves, only they're not regenerating, they're degenerating. Those are like Borg degeneration alcoves. Those are degeneration alcoves. <laughs> Is what I'm yeah, yeah. Um, although everyone looks uh, strangely uh, ready to go. Yeah. I, I, if it's uh, if you can just hop out of there. Yeah, why does it like no just wipe the blood? I mean, that blood trickling down his face has got to tickle. He thinks it makes him look tough. Well, you can always just put war paint on then. It didn't. This is one of the deleted scenes, but like a minute after now, like uh, Rekha Sharma just like t- turned to the. Uh, Turned to the uh, regen- uh, the degeneration chamber, banged her head on it, and then turned back and was like, "Well, ah, ah, you like that, Jason? What you think of me now?" There was a placard above the door of Samus's lab that says, yeah. "Long live the emperor." I also would like to call your attention. It was actually zero four thirty two. If you can catch it or just watch it as it goes by, you'll see there's a um, schematic of a ship, which is presumably the ship that they're on. Okay. And because they just emerged from the degeneration chambers and marched into this room, it tells me that Stamus's work is being done on the Charon. Okay. We may have discussed this before. I'm very curious, like what what these two things have to do with each other, because they have they have the uh, the quantum singularity right at the center of the uh, at the center of the Charon, and they also have spore drive technology like feeding into it, and it's somehow mm-hmm. corrupting the network. And I don't know how the two interact. Because it was my okay. understanding that the dash drive and the warp drive don't work together. Like, they don't interact with each other, like, at all. To wit, you can spore jump yourself out of a, a warp field without any, any difficulty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's always an ion storm or something, right? Like, it's causing a transport malfunction. Is that what happened at Golden Core when Jordi uh, ended up there with, what was that, Bokra? I don't remember. Come on. you got to remember your own personal history. I was kind of more friends with Data. Oh, but I mean, if you're friends with Data, you're friends with Jordy. Because to love Jordy is to love Data, and to love Data is like always together. No, no. If if you look at my engines, you see me, and if you to love my engines, to love me. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Jordy's Jordy's got to love an engine. Not necessarily all the engines, just. A galaxy class engine. Um, that's a good point. I mean, I'm sure he was hanging out in engineering on the Victory, having a great old time uh-huh. with uh, Captain Zimbato. Can I tell you something? Okay. There's a secret. I just I haven't given it to myself, but uh, I think I should tell someone. Okay. Every time I see Michael Burnham with this puff pillow on her head, I'm always like, what the f- is that on her head? What is <laughs> okay. that? Why did I put that on her head? And why must I think that's hair? <laughs> okay. But you know what? You want to put... You want to put a microphone, uh, a microphone cover on your head? Cool, you do that, Mikey B. So, I mean, do you think when Michael, Michael in particular, is fighting against the mirror universe 
Terran humans, whatever. Do you think that she's using at least some to some extent the like any any uh, Vulcan martial arts oh, that she's been I'm trained sure. in? Yeah, because they would be too racist to have learned any Vulcan martial arts, so she ha would have the advantage in that case. Sure, that's very true. Yeah, I don't know if they would have ever been able to like infiltrate the Vulcan society enough that they could like get all their secrets. So no, they would, they would have techniques that are beyond what they've seen. This guy's a room. I'll tell you what, his makeup is changing every season. <laughs> it's so subtle that like, well, I can't really put my finger on what it is. I think there's more color later. This Saru, at this point, doesn't know yet that Lorca's a traitor. Right. Which is weird. Like, shouldn't his erections popped out? Like, every time Lorca came around? Well, I mean, he's not psychic. Or they're um, not psychic. So I... So what does he mean by they sense the coming of death? Well... Like, because it's... That was, like, the whole tagline. Maybe that's why they got rid him. of them, because they couldn't explain them well enough. Yeah, that's a very weird... Oh, I can't... So they scrapped the whole character because of it? That's... Not, I don't think it makes his whole character. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I like, oh, why they got rid of the whole Furexions thing. Okay, I got you. Yeah, they, he, they just put him through his Valhari or whatever it was Valhari, called. Valhari, yeah. But now he has those spikes, right? What spikes? He has like, instead oh. of the Furexions, he's got like, he's got like rock solid Furexions that shoot <laughs> missiles out of him. This is like a transformer. Like, I'd love to have a rock. A rack of tiny little ballistic missiles attached to the back of my head. That'd be dope. Well, I don't... They're not guided. They just shoot directly in whatever direction they're pointed at. Oh, you're assuming they're not guided. <laughs> Maybe he has, he has a remote <laughs> sensing on them. You can see them. Yeah, I doubt it. As they're I flying mean, and adjust their trajectory. That wouldn't be possible. Just like it wouldn't be possible for any anything to evolve wheels. Why wouldn't it? Because the wheel itself would have to be separate from the, the rest of the body. Why? Because that's how wheels work. That's not how all wheels work. Can, can owls uh, actually spin their head around like 360 degrees? No. Oh. Not in a continuous circle and keep on going the rest of the way. Well, that ruins everything for me. I'm sure they could look, they can turn their head 180 and then back around to zero instead of continuing on to 360. I gotcha. Well, that, that's that's good for them. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but... Um, no, I'm glad of it. Um, I'm also glad of the four screens in Star Trek Discovery. The what like, screens? The four screens. Because they're like, you know, like the, like the shields back in... Uh, Back in the back in our day, which is in the future, the 24th century, they didn't look like metal grates, but like the for the four screens <laughs> in Discovery are like these intangible metal grates. Okay. They look like metal grates. No, is it just me? Well, sure. I I get what you're saying with the grid on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The whole time the force field down. I thought of that for years. If the shields can only take so much damage, then clearly you just punch, 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 punch until they go down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really think of doing that like in a hand-to-hand -hand setting, but that makes perfect sense. And you would definitely be able to like time and know exactly when you would overpower the shields. So good move on Samus. Although I think the one of the hard things is the fact that in space battles, or at least in our time, space battles are laser beams going and not directing, it's not blasts 
so you can't really do um, although you could just you know I guess you could just lay on it and turn on the beam and leave it on until the shields go down but yep good I <laughs> Mike, Mike, Michael just uh, hailed the discovery and it did the little hail beep beep and I thought you were calling me for a second because <laughs> that's my ringtone for ring you from. That's that's brilliant. I love it. I like how Michael calls back to the ship and she's like, "Hey, check it out. Lord was a traitor. He's been a he's been a mirror universe operative all this time." And Saru's like, "That's impossible." Because Mikey should have been like, "Hey, Saru. Hey, listen, bitch. You call me a liar? Because clearly that's what you're saying. If you're telling that what I'm saying is impossible, then you must be calling me a liar. Are you calling me a liar? No." Tough crowd. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand why destroying this mycelial network is going to destroy all life in okay. all places in well, the universe. So this is because on Star Trek Discovery, we must have the fate of the entire universe and all life in the balance all the time. This is so also true of Star Trek Picard. I'm okay. wondering if this is going to be like a continuing thing for Star Trek. Like we have to save the universe every time. Save the universe. Save the universe every time. Well, I mean, I guess they did that with the Star Trek movies because how many times in the movies was the 1701 or 1701A the only ship that could go and save and do the thing? Well, sure. Of course, I guess for at least two of the movies, it was a, it was a uh, Klingon bird of prey. But Those little birds of prey are great. <laughs> well, apparently there's uh, at least two different sizes of them. There's definitely two different sizes. There's definitely like a fighter, like a scout size, and a and a big size that can have like apparently shuttle pods that go into it. <laughs> um, I think this was a discovery that we made in uh, Deep Space Nine because there is a Braille class, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's not Braille, I, because that's the language that blind people read. This is true. This is true. They, they, in the original Klingon, it's Braille, and yeah. Braille was a young Klingon who was learning to use his batleth, and it slipped out of his hand and blinded him, and thus. Uh, from that moment forward, he <laughs> broke to learn how to communicate with his fellow Klingon brethren, and the Braille language was born, and thus the Braille mm -hmm. class was was named after him. Uh, by the way, when you have yes, a uh, quantum singularity below your feet, uh, maybe best not to put a hatch in the bottom of the in like the floor. You know, like why put a big hell hatch in the bottom of the floor? Like this is some sort of arcane fucking. Just like the regular trap door for uh, yeah. a king. We just threw in like an evil genius trap door kind of deal. Yeah. Yep. And then, like, how did he know it was there? It Shouldn't that be for like, you know, Philippa Eoponis, blah, 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 special, like, special use that like nobody really knows about? Because like uh -huh. everybody knows it. Like, everybody can just look at the specs and find out about her little hatch. Everybody's going to be trying to get her to walk onto the hatch. No, just walk over. Just, just like two steps more. Just, I just got to move this furniture. Just slide over just a little bit. Well, I mean, it. it it's like uh, Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, he deliberately stood on Jabba the Hutt's trap door, and it's like, you can see the, on the floor that it's clearly there. Why would you stand on it? Yeah, I mean, no, homie, listen. If you see a trap door, you go stand on it. That's what happens. You just stand on it. Like, I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a special thing among humans that our natural inclination is just to go stand on the trap door. I guess it's maybe in case someone's coming up through the bottom, so you can just, like, keep them out. But uh, you know, I guess if you're not, okay. really, you gotta check the hinges first, see which way, yeah. which way the hinges are going. Because if you're gonna fall down, that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That reminds me of a episode of um, 
Will Wheaton did a show on YouTube called Tabletop. Man. It was on the channel Geek and Sundry. And in Tabletop, they kind of play a game to give the viewer a demo of that game and to influence them to, to buy it. And they're playing the tabletop role-playing game of uh, Dragon Age. And the first time they go and try and open a door, he goes and tries to push it, and it turns to be turns out to be a pole door. And so every time after that, the first thing he does before he op- tries to open the door, he looks at the DM. He says, "I look at the hinges to see if the door open is a push or a pull door, and I do, and I push or pull as is required to get the door open." Sure, that's, that's usually how it's supposed to work. Your comment on looking where the hinges were for the trapdoor was reminded me of that. Yeah. Is she playing piano? I look like she was sitting alone in the dark playing piano. Yeah. Playing I don't piano know. in the dark. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see how you could think that. So, a few minutes ago, Lorca was talking about why he was trying to take over the Empire. He, he says, uh, if the Emperor is allowing aliens to pour over the backyard, yeah. then my question is could this be some sp- Small iteration of the Philip that we know by the last time we will we'll see her later on in season three. If she's letting, if she's letting oh. aliens pour over their backyard, yeah. if she's maybe trying to give them just enough of 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 a scrap of of equality to to satiate them. Maybe maybe there's some hint of the new Giorgio that you know we see in Terraforma, part one and part two. It seems to me that she was losing the Empire anyway. Like one way or another, she was gonna lose the Empire. And I'm wondering why that is. Like, was there also in her universe some sort of change or something that happened that made her soften, which is why they were coming for her in the first place? Uh-huh. I guess if we look at it like she had to die, right? Because Captain Giorgio died. Right? So well, but Jennifer survived. Jennifer oh, Cisco yeah. survived in the mirror universe even after decades after Jennifer Cisco from our universe uh, passed on. Yeah, so, that's a good, very good point. I wonder how much difference there is. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that at about 19 minutes, how much Lorca sounded like another dictator we know. What dictator would you say that was? We we don't we don't mention his name on this show. The guy who has a website, I think, what's his website called? Like from from the desk of Voldemort, I think it's called. Uh, it's like a brand new website he just started I, the other day. I have no idea. Why yeah. why would I know anything about any website that he would have? You know, the guy got kicked off of the like internet like everywhere. Like, he can't he can't even use freaking Etsy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you so can't t-shirts. use Etsy really? Yeah, you can't use Pinterest. Pinterest is the one I would have knocked him off first. Don't go messing up my <laughs> of Star Trek ships. How dare you? Uh, yeah, apparently he's got his own website now, spewing uh, something. I don't know. So we're gonna have to talk to GoDaddy about shutting that down. You know, not to advertise GoDaddy. You mean our our sponsors for our website? Yeah, the people who host our website have our domain name. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and give them a small free advertisement. Get GoDaddy. Well, why okay. not? So use GoDaddy. It's the best. Yeah, we don't want you to use Wix or. Squarespace or something. No, definitely don't use HostGator, which is cheaper. <laughs> um, no, but for real, like, you know, you get you get what you pay for, though, right? And um, sure, so with GoDaddy, I've had a couple times where, like, you know, my money came a little bit late. Like, I was there too late. And I paid them. They're like, oh yeah, here's all your stuff. HostGator man I had them, and like, I missed the payment by a day. 
and they were like, oh yeah, all your shit's gone because you were supposed to pay yesterday. And I was like, oh, you son of a guns. So that's my experience with HostGator. GoDaddy, uh, GoDaddy's got far wait, better Wait, wait, say service. that again. How, how was, what, what's their name? HostGate? HostGator. Yeah. HostGator. Yeah, they broke, they broke my, broke my stuff. Took it down, threw it in the trash. How'd they, how'd they like break the day, your stuff? No, like the day that, like, uh, my payment was late by a day. And so when I'm going to go right. pay, they were like, oh yeah, we, we took your stuff down yesterday because it was supposed to be paid for. So we threw it in the trash. And I was like, oh shit. All my files are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have paid on, you should have paid yesterday. GoDaddy, however, will let me slide for a day or two, which I don't know whether it's intentional yeah, or unintentional. A lot of companies, they, they give you a a grace period, and yeah. that, that's kind of mean. Yeah, HostGator's a little graceless on that front, but GoDaddy has all the grace in the universe. Well, and you don't go and delete every, your all the files. You can take their website you know, down or not one let people think. access the website or whatever. Yeah, but one would think. Mm -hmm. yep. Delete their personal information or their personal files is, is, you know, hopefully you had a backup of your website. Uh, for the most part. So what do you think some of these other icons are on their chest and stuff, on the gold plates on their... Because obviously well, got... the one is the Mirror Universe... It's like a Starfleet logo, yeah. Starfleet logo, but... Mm -hmm. They got those from Worf. Those are Cleon Cup's Gallic badges. Oh, okay. They're all learning to be warriors. Can, can we can we stop with the uh, bouncy cam here? No, no, no. We got we, we to gotta bounce around, because otherwise you might think that we're paused. Because the actors are not moving at all. No one's moving. Well... No one's budging an inch. So what? <sighs> I mean, it's distracting, because I'm trying to look at something, and then it just shakes all over the screen. It's like, dude... Hold your breath. Stop shaking the. I mean, it's not exactly shaky cam, but it's not steady cam either. Yeah, I mean, it's. I. I'm pretty sure it's intentional. You know, like <laughs> there's a there was a thing about most of like the first season of Discovery, where like uh -huh. there was just a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement. Like I don't think the camera ever stopped moving. Um. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's to like convey action during non-action scenes. Uh huh. And I don't know if like do they have like a particular patterns they use to like wave it around. To the wave around in a circle, or like like a helicopter. What do you do? Or like a, a an infinity signal or a figure eight. Yeah, uh, I haven't quite detected anything, but like, you know, back into the left, back into the okay. left, back into Let, the left. Let's pause for this just a second here. Uh huh. At about twenty-seven fifty-seven. That's a neat, neat um, time. I was at twenty-seven fifty-nine. So cool. Where are they far oh. off? Yeah. You can see what's on the screen. Right. The Imperial flagship oh, ISS. What's well, the Battlestar Galactica? Is what it is. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> At exactly twenty-eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Why are they showing an explosion from a two D perspective? Why can't they ever show a true three D explosion from space? So they're showing a shock wave. Yes. And it's a flat shock wave. Um. I and see it expanding from the front, expanding from the top, and expanding from the bottom. No, they don't show it expanding in a sphere like a um, real shockwave does. Are they showing the explosion across the mycelial plane? Well... Yeah, she, uh, yeah we're in spore drive operations. So clearly we're doing something around around spore stuff. You ready for my song? Earl Grey fixes a thing. That's Jack. <laughs> oh, wait, no. That's Jack. Oh, wait. What is my name? Okay. Jack Torino fixed this time. So look, so we take, <laughs> we take the... Um, we take the... You take the sphere and we apply it to the to the two-dimensional 
um, mycelial plane, mycelial plane, and wow. um, and we get a two-dimensional effect of a three-dimensional nuclear explosion. Well, the spores aren't two-dimensional. Well, no, that but it's a plane. So on that plane, it would our representation of that plane is is a two-dimensional plane, and while you're in that plane, it doesn't appear to be that, but from our perspective, it is. To wit, when we dip the ship halfway into the messy little plane at some point in the near future, I'm not telling you when, it, it's a plane. And like, there's a line, there's a dividing line between this plane and that plane. And we like so kind of drop into it. Plane as in opposed to trains and automobiles? Uh, uh, sort of. More like the tool that you use to smooth wood. Oh. Which is not sandpaper, but the other thing. <laughs> or I, a router. I know what Hey, I took enough shop class in, in high school to know what a, a a plane is when you're talking about. Yep, you and I both. So fortunately, we're talking about geometric planes. <laughs> Why did she get dressed back into her her prime universe uniform and hair? Should she not have remained in mirror universe until we were out of mirror universe? Maybe this is a uh, pickup after recording was wrapped. Um, so maybe they had to add, add the scene in. In other words, maybe it's a um, a blooper, <laughs> a continuity error. Oopsies! I don't think it is. Oh, okay. I think they broke a thing. I don't think there's oh, okay. any fixing it. Uh huh. They just should have been more conscientious. While you're in the mirror, you know, when in Rome, shoot yeah. Roman candles. Don't be walking <laughs> around in your prime university uniform. That's all I'm saying. Uh huh. A few minutes ago, we saw uh, Saru giving a. Uh, a speech in engineering, a motivational speech. And I love the opening line of his speech. He says, it, it is well known. My species has the ability to sense death. They're, they're all worried about dying at this point. He says, you know, I do not sense death in our future right now. So we are clearly, and I'm thinking, but wait a minute, maybe it's just because you're the only one who survives. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Did nobody think of that. I guess the implication of I sense the coming of death would be just death coming, not necessarily him dying or, or anyone dying in particular. Oh, just okay. a death. Well, then he so really, should like, always be sensing death because uh, there's something always, always dying at some sir. point. <laughs> they are always running around in fear, like little ants. Running all over the universe. Something exotic, something exotic, ants something think about. Your <laughs> go starships like go star to star, just going. Somebody's dying. Somebody's dying. Oh my gosh! Somebody's dying. <laughs> but but that is a good motivational line for to open your speech with. You know, we 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 do not die here. We should have opened between. We should have opened it with a scene between the Kelpians and the Klingons. <laughs> the Klingons are like, you're gonna know. You're gonna know them when they come, because they're gonna come. And they're gonna say, something. Something's dying. Something's dying. Something's dying. And the Kelpians pop up. They're like, something's dying, something's dying. And they blow them all out of the sky. And the Kelpian race is done for it. It's, it's over. And that's the end of Star Trek Discovery. It <laughs> <laughs> was a really quick episode. <laughs> okay. It's like Data's day. Uh, Are we supposed to believe? I'm where I need to be, Saru. Well, I mean, he, he was waiting for... That's She said, you know, wait for my signal. And he, yeah. You kind of figured that was her signal, not that she was giving up on them or whatever, but... Well, man, um, no. Like, I was really poorly and clumpily, clumsily, um, um, clumsily handled because, oh, there's the rocks. They have rocks in the ceiling with Charons, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> they didn't even get... They should get microbeads. Yeah, well, they're not in the right timeline for that. Wait a minute. Time so, period. if there's microbeads everywhere, are there also rocks everywhere? 
<laughs> All right. Do the microbeads turn into rocks when, when it's time for them to? Maybe they do. But remember, we're still a thousand years before season three. So. Yeah, we're, we're long before microbeads. Before the era I, of microbeads. I love the, this choreography and, and watching the Michael and, and the Emperor fight alongside each other almost. And yeah. almost like they're doing a dance of their own. Yeah, it really is certainly choreography and a dance. Jason Isaacs up against Michelle Yeoh is awesome. But the scenes with Gabe and Mikey, you know, as he's like t trying to tell her to stop, like stop, stop, stop. Like he's not asking her to stop for his own life. He's asking because he want, doesn't want to have to kill her. She, what she doesn't realize is that she's not the one in danger of dying. Okay. And seriously, who kicks a damn knife out of the sky? Michelle, yo, that's who. Michelle, <laughs> yo, out of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Michael tells Saru to stay at warp, uh, so you can't be boarded. Uh huh. So what are they doing? Just warping around their destination in circles? Because you eventually, yeah. when you get to where you're, you're going to get to where you're going, you know, yeah, man. they're just going to do warp it. around the block yeah. a couple times. It's like it's like they're they're in a holding pattern. So they're cruising huh. at like a forty-five thousand, you know, foot altitude, in a you know in a warp circle. So, so they are literally just warping in a circle. Okay. Yeah. So if you're okay. standing in the middle of the circle, they appear to be everywhere. <laughs> like all around well, you, all yeah, around. I, mean, I suppose. So when she says, "We would have helped you get home if you would ask," why doesn't he then immediately ask? Like, um, can you help me get home then? He's already home, though. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why she turn the gun off? I don't, I don't know. Because she's Starfleet, you know. Like we just go around the universe and make people be our friends. We like force people to be, be our friends. It's a whole segregation thing. That we're As all about. he's falling into this, uh, whatever you want to call it. They sneak in the uh, sound effect of yeah. a passing TIE fighter. That classic sound. Well, it's a, it's a TIE fighter scream. So that sound, that, yeah, it's not only from that, it's from it's actually been featured in a lot of different things. That's not the Wilhelm scream. It's not? No, it's not. That totally sounds like the same no, scream. No, it's not the Wil ah. Wilhelm scream. It's a different scream. Oh, well. It sounds well. more like a TIE fighter scream. Mm, okay. Are you sure the TIE Fighter scream is not the same as a Wilhelm scream? Nope. Yep, I am. I am sure it's Why? Not. Why do you know that? Because I can recognize this Wilhelm scream when I hear the Wilhelm scream. Huh. Cause, because in, in the future, your producer will drop it in, and our fans will be listening to it right now. Uh, and our producer just looked at me and uh, gave me a finger. <laughs> I just to say, thank you for making that suggestion. <laughs> so, so I want to tell you something. There, there is indeed a Tie Fighter scream. It's the Howie scream. It's actually Howie Long, uh, which is a death scene. It's a, his death scene in Broken Arrow, and that is often. It's also the uh, the Tie Fighter scream. The, tie the, the Howie something. What is it? Howie who? Ha Howie Long. Okay, that 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 scream is definitely one that has been used a lot too, but not as much as the Wilhelm scream. Especially in recent years. But it's so used. Like, why don't they just use a different one? There's a bank of sound effects that uh, uh, almost everybody in every movie has access to. Sure. I mean, I've heard lightsaber ignition sounds being used for other sound effects. Or lightsaber strike sounds huh. being used for other sound effects. Have you heard uh, Star Trek sounds pop up anywhere? Besides the Orville. I have. I have. I've heard it. Enterprise D uh, doorbell sound is a different sound effect. 
in oh. other places. Oh, that's wildly amusing. I brought the Orville, and I can't help but but mention that um, I have heard tell that there is a season three of the Orville coming. I've seen like three or four episodes, and I forgot to go back to it. Oh, it, <laughs> was that forgettable for you? Not, that's not how I meant that. Oh, okay. How did you mean it? I, I, I keep on getting distracted by watching other things. This scene is beautiful. When we start heading back home in the mirror universe. Yeah, we're doing we're doing uh, Stargate. Yeah, we were totally like we were surfing on a warp field. And then we did the Andromeda thing. It's clearly the Andromeda effect, right? Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense, right? Uh being a Gene Roddenberry property. Sure. Yeah. Are we experiencing uh, hallucinations that Paul Stamets is having? Or is Hugh actually helping him get out? Oh, the real Hugh trapped in the uh, mycelial yeah. network? Oh. Yeah, so looking from this perspective, I wonder... I thought he was just reliv- reliving, watching, you know, those moments. It, it could be either... It can be interpreted however you want to. That's an interesting perspective. Although, why is he all of a sudden seeing the mycelial network as red instead of blue, yeah. with the rest of everything else as blue? Blue was for when he was lost and not following a particular track. Maybe red is the interstitial between mycelial planes in different universes. I like the little green spark yeah. that lands on her shoulder. Yeah, so I totally thought that uh, Tilly was going to be pregnant in the following season. Or, right. or, well, they could still bring something up. Um, you know. No, because that was that's May. That's, that's May going into her. That's May. Yeah, that's May. That's that's May from the next season. Uh, May Ahern. That's that's the spore that's pretending to be May Ahern that, that pops into her shoulder, right there. I, I thought I definitely thought it was going to be uh, we did the the child again. You know. I, I had another question. Yeah, what is your question? <laughs> Maybe this will be another Jack. Jack, he fixed it, man. At, at about 37 minutes, uh huh. they take precious time to wait for Saru to say warp speed now. Yes, of course. Why not already have had given the order, as soon as this happens, go to warp? Um, he didn't want to rely on anyone else's reflexes. But... They reported to him, then he said, go to warp, and then they did the thing. Yeah. Why not? Because, so there's no other, what's to rely on reflexes? If they just report the thing and do the thing as soon as they report it, then there are no reflexes to rely on. He doesn't have to worry about saying, okay, go to warp now. Because that's precious milliseconds that things could go wrong. Don't anticipate my orders. But remember... Don't butt me. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we're... I think the show's drawing... Oh, I think, oh, yeah, things are falling apart in the studio. I think the show's drawing to a close. <laughs> Uh-oh. They're um, falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about me. I'm over here on the floor trying to find something to drop. Uh-oh. Um, but um, but with that, I think uh, I think we'll go to the. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna sign off. Oh. Probably dropping a mail back here if we have one. And um, yeah, and people will, aren't uh, writing us. We don't. We're not popular at all. What's it popular? Okay. What's it popular? What's a mailbag, by the way? I don't know what you're talking about. Um. So a mailbag is a ba- mailbag, mailbag, mail. Come on, everybody, sing it with me. Um. It's a uh, it's a thing that the, the mail carriers when we used to have those in the United States of America, 
and we used to have a postal service back before the Monroe Republic uh, rose up. Um, the the what republic? The, Mon- the Monroe Republic. Monroe Republic? Yeah, I guess you haven't done uh, revolution either. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, I'll tell you about that. Uh, I'll tell you about that in the interstitials. Uh, next episode we're doing is uh, called the War Without the War Within. That's uh, Star Trek Discovery season one, episode fourteen, the penultimate episode of season one. The penultimate. Yeah, yeah. I look forward. Uh, look very much forward to it, and to you, and to you, my friends. We say. Something. Something. Say goodbye to people. Oh, uh, ciao. Uh, that's it. Emma. <laughs> Sorry. How about? <laughs> oh wait, that was. Uh, that was. That was. That was pathetic. No, that was good. That was right on time. That's that's how we do things around here. <laughs> Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mixed with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.